Welcome to Second Win, the podcast where we uncover the stories, methods, and modalities of women and men who have found their purpose while walking this earth. Sometimes they found their second win by accident, sometimes by hardship, and sometimes by intent. There is always something to learn from others and really isn't finding our own purpose what we are all looking for. I know I am. And that's why I'm hosting this very podcast. My name is Wendy Charles McGuire. Thank you for listening and let's get to it. Second wind. I have a wonderful gal with me today. Her name is Patty Gard. And I met her very happenstancely by going and speaking at a PEO group, which is a women's organization kind of all over the country. It's Philanthropic Educational Organization and PEO. And they asked me to speak about podcast and second wind. And I really didn't want to do it. I was like, I don't really have anything to talk about, but I'm going to go. Some amazing things happened even getting there, which will come up on another podcast. And as we wrapped it up and it seemed like the ladies were interested and it was warm in there. You all knew how I'd eaten before I'd gotten there. I was pretty sure everybody's going to fall asleep. Only one person did that I saw. <laughs> and after <laughs> all was said and done, Patty came up to me and said, the gal over there told me I needed to talk to you, that you were exactly who I was supposed to be talking to. I go, you have a story? And said, Patty, <laughs> why, yes, you could say that. I have a very interesting story. So we spoke, and then I subsequently went and bought the book called I Saw Heaven and read it. And Patty was waiting for me to read it and tell her what I thought. And here we are now to talk about it. Patty herself is a woman that's been through a lot of stuff, a lot of life stuff, you know, that teaches you lessons and things that we all don't really want to go through, divorce, businesses kind of not doing what they're supposed to do, all that people not telling her the truth, stuff we all have brushed with in our lives. And I guess the best thing to do now is just introduce Patty and have her tell the story. It is an amazing story. So welcome, Patty. And thank you so much for reaching out. Thank you, Wendy, for having me today. What a privilege and honor just to be with you. You are so kind. Yeah, we've had some really nice little texts back and forth. And it always makes me feel like I got a kiss on the cheek after I am done speaking with you. It's kind of interesting, actually. So... I don't know. I'm sure other people have felt that way after speaking with you or listening to you. Thank you. Thank you. So, Patty, why don't you start off by sharing? Why don't you just share what happened that became your second wind that you didn't even know it was going to be your second wind? You were kind of a pawn in this game. Yeah. Yeah. I second wind. Well, it, the story starts, Wendy, in 2003, where I was at rock bottom in life with more than one devastating circumstance happening to me at the same time. And the way I put it is God came to me through the most unlikely person my recovering alcoholic brother, who two years prior to this had gone to heaven during a six-day coma. And my brother and I weren't close. He was six and a half years older than me. And I lived in Texas. He lived in Missouri. 
we hardly talked on the phone. We saw each other at family holiday gatherings and stuff like that. But God came to me through the most unlikely person, my recovering alcoholic brother, through a phone call. But to back up to those two years prior, my brother had congestive heart failure and was in intensive care in the hospital for two weeks on total life support. And the last six days of those two weeks on total life support, he was in a coma. And so all the family was called from all over where we lived. And I lived in Texas to come to Missouri to the hospital. And they were going to take him off life support. And I took clothes for his funeral. So as the family and his close personal friends were in the waiting room, the doctor came in and he said to us, he said, Richard, my brother, woke up and we couldn't believe it. So he said, I don't know what's going to happen. And I don't have the timeline on this, Wendy, because I didn't know I'd be writing a book. I didn't even know there'd be a story. So eventually the doctor came back in the waiting room of intensive care and told us, he said, I think if we take him off life support, he'll make it. So it's up to you if you want to try this. And his wife and children said yes. So the doctor eventually comes back in the waiting room and tells us we've got him off life support. He's made it. He's very weak, but I think it'll be great encouragement if I let just the immediate family go in to see Richard just for a few minutes, and I want you to combine your visits. So after my brother's wife and three children went in to see him for a few minutes, then it was my mother and my turn. We went in together. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. My mother was standing at the foot of my brother's bed in the intensive care room, and I was standing beside the bed. And because I had become a Christian, I was going to church and reading the Bible and doing Bible studies and all this, I tried to think of what I could say to my brother that would help him just in the few minutes I had. So I stood beside my brother's bed and I said, Richard, I love you. I'm praying for you and you're going to make it. Well, when I said that to my brother, he looked at me. His face lit up. It's like it glowed. And his eyes, I'll never forget it. They were like, I've never paid attention to the color of his eyes. I knew they were a light blue, but his eyes just looked crystal blue. And my brother said to me with as much energy as he could muster, I saw heaven. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And I couldn't believe it. I thought, oh, you didn't see heaven. You're on some kind of medication or something. Right. <laughs> and then 
my brother said to me, I saw this huge pearl gate. It's huge. It's beautiful. When my brother said that to me, I'd read in the Bible about a description of heaven where there's 12 huge, large gates, each made of one pearl, and they're huge. And my brother was describing one of those gates, one of those pearl gates. And I thought, wow, he really did go to heaven because as far as I was aware, he hadn't read the Bible. So the next thing he said to me was even more astounding. And he gave me some other descriptions of heaven that were biblically based, but I don't remember everything, so I just put the pearl gate in my book. But the next thing my brother said to me was, I didn't see God, but I heard him, and he talked to me. And he told me, Richard, you can't stay because I have more work for you to do. And Wendy, I have to be honest, I was thinking to myself, more work for you? How could God use you? You have dealt our family heartache and misery on and off for years. Mm. And now my brother hadn't had a drink at this time of alcohol for 10 years. So he was a recovering alcoholic. But see, I was thinking in all these few seconds, My goodness, I'm the one that has been going to church and reading the Bible and reading about heaven in the Bible and all this stuff. Why wouldn't God take me to heaven and send me back so that I could work for him and then probably become well-known and famous and all this stuff? It's kind of sickening what was going through my mind, really. But that's what I was thinking. And so then it was our time to leave the intensive care room. I mean, Patty, when I asked you this, I was was like, wow. It's just because I'm so curious about what happens, right? That's part of my whole wanting to do the podcast and interviewing people and learning and what are all the modalities and what are all the things and all that stuff, right? So I asked you, I'm like, Patty, I mean, I would have, I would have waited, of course, till I was told I could ask him more questions, but I would have been like, oh my gosh, you got to tell me more. And you said you didn't do that. I'm just like, how could you, how not, why, how could you not? Am I just that nosy? Am I that in your, in your face, in your space? Like, what is that? I think you're normal, and I'm not. <laughs> okay. You know, I went back to Texas after we made sure he was okay. And yeah. the way my family was when I grew up, we never talked about personal stuff that much. But my brother and I never talked again on the phone about anything personal like this except the two years Mm. after this. Right. The miracle of that first conversation. But 
When we would gather together in Missouri for Christmas and family gatherings and all that, before this incident, when my brother went to heaven during that coma, yeah, before a family meal, he would always ask me to pray. We'd gather, stand up, hold hands, and and he would ask me to pray for that meal. And why? Because he didn't want to? I don't think he felt comfortable, but. After he went to heaven during that coma, we would gather at family gatherings at Christmas time and, you know, whenever we got together. My brother never asked me to pray again before the meal. He prayed. That was a big difference. And he prayed the most innocent, pure prayers that weren't full of religion. He was talking to someone who whom he knew intimately, God. He had a personal, intimate relationship with God like I had never seen before from any anybody. And that was the theme throughout the book was you were saying, I've always been the person that went to church and did the right thing and <laughs> read the Bible and prayed and and asked God for guidance and got down on one knee whenever there was a problem. Yeah. Richard never did. But then Richard had some kind of a new, almost a new persona, right? You were like, there is something inside him now that I don't recognize. Right. You are, you put it clearly. And that's what I noticed. But there was never an opportunity for us to be alone and us to talk about it. But Richard wasn't a churchgoer except like maybe Christmas and Easter. But he did go to Alcoholics Anonymous faithfully. And I didn't know much about that. And so I didn't think it was, I didn't know anything about Alcoholics Anonymous. And, but now I've come to know that they are very spiritual. So, they're wonderful. But now we can fast forward two years when I'm at rock bottom. Is that where you'd like for me to go? Yeah, I think that's great. <laughs> so that all happened. And then was it two years later? Two years later. That's bizarre to me. I would have been like up one side and down the other trying to figure this all out and get answers from him. But two years, you kind of just went off and you kept doing your life and he kept doing his. I think it's amazing that you didn't pressure him. So what was going on with you right in those two years that you were saying you were hitting rock bottom? Well, I was going through a second divorce and I never even wanted to go through one divorce, <laughs> but I had found out that my husband, whom I had trusted and believed in, had been living a secret life that was devastating and it had been going on the 13 years of our marriage and that I'd been lied to I'd been deceived and I had already built one company that was successful and I lost it during a divorce and bankruptcy because my company was liquidated to pay my first husband's business debts. Oh, gosh. 
And so now I had built a second company and sold it. And it was iffy if the sale was going to work out now or not. And uh, Mm. so that was two things. Did Patty, did you need the sale to help you move forward from this devastating divorce? You kind of were depending on that. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on that income. Yeah. So it looked like I was losing another marriage with divorce, losing possibly another company where I would have no income for my future. And I didn't know what was going to happen, but I just knew that everything was on shaky ground and I didn't know how anything was going to turn out in my future. And so, you know, the church I had gone to had a split Hmm. and that's devastating. Friends go this direction, the other direction. I had a dog that I loved like a child that was 13 years old and died. These are some of the things I can think of that happened and there were more, but That's some of them. Breaking my heart. So I was just at rock bottom. I didn't know where my future was going at all. And I was all alone. And so I got up every morning and did a devotional like I was taught to do and read a scripture out of the Bible. And that's what I was doing one morning, two years after my brother had gone to heaven during that six-day coma. And the Mm -hmm. phone rings that morning, and it's my brother Richard. And he said, well, Mother has told me everything you're going through, and I just wanted to see if you wanted to talk about it. Well, this was unusual for my brother to call and ask me a caring, personal, kind question like that. That was a shock. Like he wouldn't have picked up the phone and called you anyway for anything, right? Right. Ever in the past? Yeah. So this is really weird. Really unusual. And I thought, well, you're up in Missouri and I'm in Texas and I need somebody to talk to because all this stuff is so personal. You just don't go around talking to people about all that's happening in my life. So I started talking to him and I said, Richard, I just don't know what I'm going to do about my future, but I didn't know if he'd understand this or not, but I said, I just want God's will, and I don't know what I'm going to do about finances and financially my future, but I just want God's will, and I don't know if I'm going to actually go through with this divorce or if I need to stay with my second husband, but I just want God's will, and I just kept saying things to him that I was questioning about my future and had no idea how it would turn out, and I always prefaced it with, I just want God's will, and Wendy, when I quit blabbing, (laughs) my brother said to me, you don't want God's will, and I said, yes, I do, and he said, no, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. And we argued back and forth. You said it multiple times. Were you not listening, Richard? I said, I want God's will. That's right. And so he said, would you like for me to tell you how I know you don't want God's will, Patty? And I said, yeah. And he said, because every sentence you just said to me starts with the word I. 
you're in control and God isn't. And Wendy, I was highly wow. offended. <laughs> really? I thought, how can you say that to me when I am so, I've been a Christian for 35 years and blah, 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 blah. So anyway, we got off the phone and... Yeah, when you ended the conversation with Richard, Patty, I mean, you were offended. How did you end that conversation? You're like, well, that was helpful. Thanks so much. Like, don't call me. I'll call you kind of thing. Like, how did you end that conversation? No, I tell you, I was just so thankful, actually, that he didn't condemn me or put me down or say, you know, grow up or... You know, or you're an idiot. You should have seen the signs, yeah. or any of that blame on you. Uh huh. Make me uh -huh. feel ashamed. He didn't criticize me. He didn't condemn me, and so that okay. made me feel good. But yet, what he said to me was really something I had never heard before. So we just said, you know, a few pleasant words. I have no idea. I probably said. Well, okay, thank you. And he said, well, all right, you have a good day. Bye-bye. <laughs> but the thing of it is, Wendy, I journaled. So I wrote down that date, and I wrote down exactly what Richard said to me and how he said it. What prompted you to do that, do you think? Because, you, you know, if it were me, I probably would have wrote, so Richard called me today, and he really pissed me <laughs> off, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> It's your journal. You can write whatever you want and no one's ever going to see it. And you can be as catty as you want to be, right? What happened? Because you didn't write that. I talked to God in my journal and I just said, God, Richard hurt my feelings. And I don't really understand mm. what he said, but he said, I don't want your will because all of my sentences were starting with the word I. So God, would you help me with this? In other words, God, would you help me with the fact that Richard's wrong? And so, <laughs> so Richard, he's wrong and that I'm actually as fabulous as I think I am because of all this stuff I do. Right? I mean, honestly, <laughs> I'm just putting myself in your shoes is how I think I would feel. That's the way I felt. I just felt so far above him spiritually. And so I started reading in the Bible about God's will and things about that subject and this, that, and the other. And over the next few days as I was reading, I started feeling as though, Wendy, that Richard could be right and that maybe God was speaking to me through my brother because that is actually what happened. Wow. And I found that I spent time with God at my kitchen table. That's where I spent time with him. And so I found myself on my knees the next few days after that first conversation, sort of telling God I was so sorry. Mm. If I had in control, I didn't want to be. And if Richard was right, I wrote in my journal, God help me with this because I've never heard anybody say this before. Right. And if he's right, if Richard's right, I need your help. How do I deal with this? How do I get out of control? I don't want to be in control because the more I 
read in the Bible, the more I know if God's in control, then the wonderful plan he has for my life is going to happen and I'll not mess things up. (laughs) The difference in me asking God to help me was the attitude I had of being better than my brother because my lifestyle was different than his Mm. and everything that was beginning to crumble Mm. (laughs) because of this first conversation. Well, Patty, when you're saying crumble, is that because you were like thinking about it? Like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be saying me or I, maybe that is wrong. So that whole shield was coming down. Well, yeah, I say in my book, I picture it like this. I was in a bubble Mm -hmm. of deception in every conversation with my brother, because there's more conversations to come, put a pinprick in that bubble. Wow. Yeah. And this first conversation was the first pinprick. I needed a lot more. (laughs) So here you are grappling with maybe what I'm what I'm asking for, how I'm asking is wrong. Maybe how I was feeling about God this whole time wasn't absolutely spot on. Like you're questioning, right? So where do you go from there? Okay, I wasn't questioning God. I was questioning my walk with God. Right, right. Because I was just like, all the Christian people I knew, my friends in church, I was, I wasn't, I was just like them, Mm -hmm. you know, we went to church and we all talked about getting up every morning and doing a devotional and reading our Bibles and then going on with our lives. Mm -hmm. But my brother was, but, and I knew that there's a scripture that says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans for good and not evil, to give you a hope and a future. And God talks about he has a will for our lives where I've learned where we can use our gifts and our talents and just live our lives, even though there's mountaintops and valleys, live them to to the best extent that we can. And so... That conversation helped me realize that there might be some changes that needed to be made in my life that I wasn't aware of, not aware of at all. Probably taking you away from the victim. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And you make that realization throughout the book. Interesting. Good. (laughs) I'm glad you saw that. (laughs) Yes, I did see that. So what happens next? You get another phone call or do you reach out? Do you reach back out to your brother? Yeah, I got another phone call from him in the next few days. And he wanted to know how I was doing. And I said, not very well. And he said, Mm -hmm. well, what's going on? And I probably repeated everything that I told him in the first conversation, the second conversation. And then... He asked me another question. He asked me, he said, just out of the blue, he said, what do you think prayer is? And Wendy, when he asked me that question, I was so excited because 
See, at this time, I remember, and I put it in the book, I had been a Christian for 35 years, so proud of that, you know. And I thought I had prayed for my brother all those years, and he was finally asking me a spiritual question. And so, Patty, what do you think prayer is? So I went in this long description about what prayer was. And then when I finished, and I could tell you what it was if you want me to go into it, but I don't have to go into it. No, that's okay. I mean, you were you were feeling almost vindicated. Oh, here I am. I can share with you yes, my knowledge. Exactly. Right? Thanks for asking. Let me tell you. <laughs> I know. Exactly. And so after I told him the long description of how we pray. Mm -hmm. <laughs> then he said, well, okay, what do you think meditation is? Mm -hmm. And I was thrilled to pieces that I was getting to share with my brother again. And, you know, I felt like I was teaching right. him. So I went into this long description of what meditation was, what I understood it to be in biblical terms and all of that. And when I quit blabbing, my brother said, well, what do you think about this, Patty? Prayer is talking to God and meditation is listening to God. I thought that is too simple. <laughs> yeah. And then he said to me, have you ever spent time, Patty, with God without talking? I said, no. Have you ever spent time with God without reading a Christian book or reading your Bible? I said, no. He said, have you ever spent time with God without playing your Christian music? I said, no. He said, you need to get off the phone and meditate. So we said our little pleasantries and hung up again. I got off the phone, I wrote in my journal exactly what he said, and I thought to myself, that is absolutely too simple. But here's how I explain it now when I speak. And I say, let's say that you and I want to sit down at your kitchen table, just you and I, Wendy, and I want to get to know you and you want to get to know me. We really want to get to know who the other one is. And now that I'm an author, Wendy, you were sitting at that kitchen table, just the two of us. You were sitting there reading my book. Well, that's what I had done to God all these years because that's all I knew to do. My brother was teaching me that God is real and alive, like almost like a live human being, only he's not <laughs> God, but he is God, but he's someone who values me, loves me, and wants to spend time with me, quality time. He wants me to get to know him be quiet, listen to him, and spend time alone with him just because I love him. And he wants to spend time with me 
just because he loves me. And that's what I learned from that conversation with my brother. And subsequently, there were, what, 18 conversations over the next, how many years? Eight months. Eight months. That's right. Eight months. 18 conversations. Do you want me to tell you about the last conversation or was yeah. there? Okay. Yeah, because I want people to read the book, Patty. The last conversation, and this is eight months later, mm -hmm. and this is our 18th conversation. Each conversation, my brother gave me a one-liner. Yeah. We hung up the phone, and it basically put me on my knees. It would resonate with, right, like... It, when when you were describing each conversation and your takeaway, it's kind of like he had sprinkled stuff on you and it had to like marinate into you and then make sense. And then you could put it into your own thought process almost and how to manipulate it and manage it within your own self. You are exactly right. And you put it so much better than I've ever been able to <laughs> describe it. Thank you. It's like you had to marinate, yeah. right? You had to be like, sit there in the juices and, and marinate in what he said. Right. Because the first time you would hear anything that he said to you, you, mm -hmm. you know, you'd kind of like, well, that doesn't make sense. That I'm not sure why you said that right? right. every time. And then and then after, you know, a few days, it would keep popping back up. It would keep coming to the surface. It would percolate into you. That's right. Yeah. So the 18th conversation, by that time, Wendy, my life had changed drastically for the better. Yeah. Share a little bit about that before the conversation. Okay. Because that's important to note that there was a correlation here between now how you were feeling and 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 carrying on and what you were saying to yourself and while you were praying and and what was happening in your life i have developed a relationship with god that i didn't even know existed it was and i still have it it's a one-on-one -on -one personal intimate relationship with him I just love God and I want to spend time with him. And that happened to me over those eight months through the conversation I had with my brother. But the thing that people, other people saw in me and they started asking me what had happened to me and they started even asking me to speak to their groups. What they saw was a peace that is indescribable. The Bible calls it a peace that passes all understanding. We can't even understand it. And I had found it, and it was evident in my life. People saw it. That's the main thing, main difference. And I was no longer worried. I wasn't fretting over anything. I had total trust that God had my back that he was going to take care of me no matter what. If I lost everything, fine. If I didn't, fine. If I divorced, fine. If my husband and I went back together, fine. I just knew that I was going to be okay in life. 
So those are the things that I guess exuded out of me, if that's the proper word to say, because people started seeing it. And I didn't know they saw it. It was just there. <laughs> but man, I had a piece that was there to stay and I've still got it. <laughs> yeah. Did you, did you work on it? Do you know what I mean? Like I've had to work on not having expectations, not worrying about, you know, what happens five minutes from now. Right. And just going with the flow, so to speak. That's like the big thing, the mantras, the stuff, what people say to themselves. There's so much out there right now in the self-help world about this. Did you did you feel like you worked on it purposefully? I had to work on it. I had to work on it. I would find scriptures in the Bible and I would write them down on, I actually have some laying right here. I would write them down on a card. Mm. Okay. And these are frayed because look at this one. It's dated 10-29-2003. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. dated them. And this was teaching me not to worry about anything, but to pray about everything and trust God. And then the peace of God, which passes all understanding of, will come and live in me. And I just I can't believe I have these laying on my desk, but here's my stack of cards from back then. Wow. Wow. And I would take these cards with me in my purse everywhere I went. And if I started losing that piece, I would get these cards out and I'd start reading them. Yeah, I worked on it. It, it didn't okay. just happen like a miracle. <laughs> You know, now this is kind of an interesting question that I just thought about was, did you know that this, this feeling, this peace was what you were working towards or were you just working towards whatever came? Do you know what I mean? Before the conversations with my brother, I was working on finding out what the answers were. Right. What the future was going to end up like. Yeah. I needed to know, you know. Right. And I couldn't know how things were going to turn out. And that was causing me such anxiety and worry. That's stress in a bottle right there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so the 18th conversation, now my life has totally changed. And then some of those conversations we had out of the 18, I had started calling my brother. Oh, okay. And I had asked him. I, I asked him in one of the conversations, and this is in the book, I said, Richard, do you mind if I start calling you sometimes? And he said to me, no, I don't mind if you call me, but I want you to know I'm always going to tell you the truth huh. and how I see things. And I said, okay. It was like, all right, I, I'll, I can take it. Yeah, yeah. So the 18th conversation, I had tears streaming down my face because I realized how much my brother loved me to be able to tell me the truth because the truth was hard. It, he was telling me 
areas in my life where I I say I was deceived and I didn't have a relationship with God that my brother had. My brother had the most intimate, personal relationship with someone he really knew well. And I wanted that. And over these eight months, I had I had gained more of that and more of it. So I thanked Richard for being so honest with me and loving me so much to speak the truth to me. And I told him, I said, Richard, I don't know. My life is so much better since I've been talking to you on the phone and you've been helping me. And I just have to thank you for loving me enough to tell me the truth. And then, Wendy, the next day, my brother went to heaven. His work was over. Did he know that that was his work? I think he did. And we really never, did. never came out and asked him, and he never came out and told you? No. Interesting. During those times, you know, I was so wounded and so at the bottom and just felt horrible. You know, I, I just thought, why do these bad things keep happening to me? What's wrong with me? You know, feeling shame, feeling the worst Christian in the whole world because divorce is really looked down on and all these things. I just didn't. I had no worth. <laughs> and now, after these 18 phone conversations with my brother, it didn't matter to me what other people thought. <laughs> I have found out that my true acceptance comes from God and God alone and not from people. I have found out my worth and my value from God and I knew that I belonged. I knew that God had a plan for me. And if it was just to be a bag lady that sold pencils on the street corner, it was all right with me. I didn't care any longer because what I had found in my relationship with God was so valuable, you couldn't even put a price on it. And I found it through the conversations with my brother. And I still got it to this day. <laughs> right. I have a couple of questions. One is, can you share a little bit about where you are now because of these conversations versus when we started this conversation of pretty much your life was imploding around you? I can. One of the big things, and I just want to cry when I think about this, Wendy, is I have learned how to get out of control of stuff. I didn't mm -hmm. know I was such a controlling person. And I've learned to pray about things, give them to God, let go of them, and trust Him. Because I've learned He's really real. And He can make things happen that are just absolutely wonderful if I'll stay out of His way. That's a big thing for me because I didn't know I was a very controlling person, but I was. I think we all are in a way. 
we all say, well, I would like this to happen. I want this to happen. I want that to happen. And more and more people who I've met, much like you, who have stories, not quite like yours, but are part of this figuring things out, have all said that, you know, I just let be and more amazing things have happened for me than I could have ever imagined. That is a wonderful description because that's what's happened. I, yeah. I've i just gotten in the way so much and, you know, <laughs> thought I knew everything and took the wrong path. And, and I've had to suffer the consequences of my irresponsible behavior, but I've sure learned from it. You know, I say in my book, I've been hurt, I've hurt people, and I've also hurt myself. And I'm through with that. Mm -hmm. And I'm out of control. I'm not in control anymore in my life. I can tell when I get back in control because I start losing that peace. Mm. That's like my, there's a scripture in the Bible that says that peace is like are umpire and I used to attend my grandson's baseball games and it just stands out to me because the umpires were in control and yeah. I let peace control my life now it's peace is my umpire when I start losing my peace I've gotten back in control again and that's not to say you sit around and wait for things to happen Right? I mean, you're still a busy lady. Oh, yeah. We have to put... I don't want people to get the wrong idea that you just throw it all up. No. And, and you can let go of your steering wheel and God will take the wheel and you're not going to crash. No, no, no. <laughs> That's not really the case. Well, there's a scripture in the Bible that says that faith without works is dead. So my faith is very strong, but I know that God wants to use my life for his honor and glory and I can't do it if I don't step out you know I think right. of the story in the Bible where the Red Sea parted for God's children the Israelites but it didn't part till they took the first step into the water and then it parted <laughs> so they had to do something yeah right that's it's so important to remember that you, you, in order to serve and work towards things that are bigger than the I and find peace, it is about stepping out and into. Yes. Whatever that looks like. Right. And then you found yourself. I mean, how did this whole book come about? Because that's that's an interesting story. It is. I never dreamed I would ever write a book. But people started asking me to speak and tell what had happened and to tell my story. And I always, they'd say, well, what's the title of your talk? And I'd say, Conversations with My Brother. And so I spoke a lot of places. And afterwards, people would always come up to me and say, because I'd talk about these conversations. And they'd say, you've got to write a book, Patty. You can't yeah. keep this to yourself. This is for other people, too. And I would always say, thank you very much, but I don't know how to write a book. I have no desire to write a book, and I don't have good English. And the yeah. last, <laughs> yeah. And so 
I was actually speaking at a conference in Asheville, North Carolina at the Lifeway Christian Retreat Center. And it was a three-day conference and they asked me to speak for an hour each day at that conference. Well, after I spoke on conversations with my brother, people lined up to come up to me, talk to me. You got to write a book. You got to write a book. So the last man in line, it was men and women both, he said to me, Patty, you've got to write a book. You can't keep this to yourself. This is for other people too. And I said, thank you very much. That's so kind of you to tell me that, but I don't have a desire to write a book. I don't know how to write a book. I don't have good English. And he looked at me and he said, well, every sentence you just said to me starts with the word I. You're still in control. Watch it. Back in your face. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> mm. So I went up, I looked at him and I went, oh, no. <laughs> so I went up to my room in Asheville, North Carolina at that conference center. And when I get serious with God, I get down on my knees. Got down on my knees beside that bed in that room and surrendered. And I remember saying to God, if you want me to write a book, please give me the desire because I have none and I don't even know how to do it. Would you send me help if this is you? And then I remember saying, and God, if it's you, will you be the pen in my hand? Oh, wow. I remember that. And that's what happened. Mm. It's quite amazing. It took four years to write. And I had a lot of help, and God was the pen in my hand. Here's my copy. It's wore out. It's full of highlights and underlining. And because the last count, I read my own book 12 times. I need it. Yeah. Because I get off track. I need to remember when I'm losing my peace. Something's wrong. So Something's wrong. Reevaluate, get an alignment, that whole thing. Get grounded <laughs> again. Yep. It kind of goes and it flows in with everything with the chakras and the energy and all that stuff. It all comes down to that. That's right. <laughs> and you wrote another book after that. And that book is called Living Right Side Up in an Upside Down World. What made you write that book? After my brother died and I came home from his funeral, mm -hmm. I felt like I had lost my lifeline to God because I knew God had been speaking to me through my brother. Mm -hmm. But I kept getting up every morning and spending time alone with God. And I felt like God kept talking to me. I didn't hear an audible voice, but I would hear simple sentences on how to live life. And I journaled, so I'd write all these things down in my journal. And then I started writing on yellow line tablet. And then I started getting all of these papers, and I thought, I've got to organize this. So I started making file folders and putting them into subjects. And then I ended up with a huge accordion file folder 
full of manila folders with subjects, about 200 subjects on how to live life, and it was crammed full. And I thought, well, I guess I'm going to have to start another accordion folder. And then I heard God talk to me. It's not an audible voice. I just know in my heart it's him. And I heard this. This accordion file folder full of all these subjects is your next book. And I went, oh, no. <laughs> Ah, so here is Living Right Side Up in an Upside Down World. <laughs> and uh, here's the over 200 subjects. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Of how to live life in simple, everyday language. That's what we need. And that's where that book is. <laughs> so. And these are things that you were getting, I mean, for lack of a better way to say it, downloads from God, right? Would you categorize it like that? Yeah, because every now and then I get downloads and it's like, where did that thought come from? That's not something I wanted to think. I don't want to think that, but I thought it. And now I have to act on it. And it always ends up being something you were supposed to do with a good outcome. I wish I could explain things the way you do, because the way you say it is perfect. Thanks. <laughs> well, God said it, I should do the podcast, so maybe that's why, which yeah. is interesting because a friend of mine said, I told her how when I'm in an interview with someone like you and we speak, I don't listen to it back. When we're done, it goes off to the production people and I don't hear it till it comes out. So I won't listen to this till you listen to this, right? So it's kind of like I'm actually an audience member because I don't remember anything that we speak about, really. Like I might be able to pull a couple things and say, oh, Patty said something really cool, but I won't remember this whole thing. And that's how I know it's like zeroing in in the flow of where I'm supposed to be. It's kind of cool. And I'm sure we all get that way when time just elapses and you don't realize it when you're doing something that just fills up your soul. That's interesting. That's exactly the way it is. You've got it. Yeah. <laughs> the peace yeah. thing, real quickly, can you describe what the peace feels like if somebody was trying to understand it? I, I would imagine it's different for everyone, but what what does it feel like to you? Do you get like a warm fuzzy in your tummy? Or <laughs> what does it feel like? No. What it is, it's the absence of worry, mm. absence of anxiety, absence of a knot in my chest because something in life is just a negative force. The peace is an absence of worry. Yeah. Okay. That's the way I can describe it. I get it. I get it. I've been in that mm -hmm. more and more, but you do. You're right. We have to keep working at it. Because it's so easy to fall back into that pattern of allowing the poor me's, the eyes, I wish, I want, I must have to come back up. Oh, I want this person to do this. Yeah. So that I can do this, right? Yeah. I've quit trying to control other people. 
you know, I'm not in control. <laughs> That's a shocker. <laughs> well, it doesn't seem to work. Also, Patty, when we try to do that, if I want say, my son to stop using any kind of uh, nicotine product at all, and I keep bugging or I find it and I throw it away, it doesn't stop the behavior. Right. And so I'm not in control ever. So I need to not worry and know it's his soul. It's his plight. It's his life. He's here to learn his lessons and I'm here to learn mine. Yeah, that's good. Well, one of the things that has been helping me lately, it's a tangible thing. And I learned this from reading someone else's book. I got a little box and I put on that top lid, God, on a sticky hmm. note. So that's my God box. And when okay. I start having anxiety or worry about something, whether it's what someone else is doing or how something's going to turn out or just worry or anxiety about anything, I get a sticky note and I write that on that sticky note. I pray about it and I give that situation or that person to God. And I put that sticky note inside the box. I've given it to God. Now, in the next two hours, if I start worrying about it again, I have to go back to my God box, take the sticky note out and say, well, God, I'm not trusting you. I took it back. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and so I pray about it again. I give it back to God. See, I've gotten back in control. So I give it back to God, put the sticky note back in the God box and let go of it and trust God. If the worry or anxiety tries to enter my mind, I reject it. I just say, no, I trust God with this. And I'm telling you, God, it works. He's real. He doesn't need my help. <laughs> right. In fact, he could work a lot better with me out of his way. Out of the way. Uh, Patty, so um, how can people find you? Because the book doesn't say written by Patty Gard. I became an author when my name was Dunham. So Miller is my maiden name. So my author name is Patty with an I, Miller, M-I-L-L-E-R, Dunham, D-U-N-H-A-M. And the easiest way to find me, my books are sold where any Christian books are sold online or any store can order them. Amazon, yeah. But the author name is Patty Miller Dunham. Important for people to know that. And now they should get both books. I'm going to get <laughs> the other book. I didn't even realize there was another book. We hadn't talked about it. Living Right Side Up in an Upside Down World. And Don't the, you love that title? I love the title. Yeah. And I Saw Heaven came out in 2010. Still selling. People are still, still writing to you. People still want you to talk about it and share your story, which is crazy. 13 years later. And then in 2014 is when your second book came up with that fabulous title. And from what you told me, when people reach out to you, you are more than happy to speak with them and help them. That's right. I never turn anything down. <laughs> Amazing. And you're always busy. Do you, how, do you, how do you stay positive and moving forward with all of this? 
If I had to use one word, I'd just say trust. Because really, before I speak, I always just say, God, I get out of your way. I just ask you to give me the words. You know the people that are here. You know what they need to hear. And I can only be me and tell my story truthfully. And so I don't try to impress people. I don't worry about how I look. I just am honest and just tell my story honestly. And people's lives are always, usually, always changed for the better and touched. And I'm so grateful. And because I've gotten out of the way, see, I don't take any glory. I don't think I'm somebody. I know that God used me. But, you know, he uses the least of these. (laughs) I think he can use me because I know I'm not. You know, I think that pride isn't prevalent. So. Have you since Richard died, have you ever sensed him? I have. I believe I talked to him before you called today with this podcast. And I don't know if he can hear me. But I just thank God for the opportunity to get to share with you and that we met. And I said, Richard, if you can hear me, I know you're cheering me on. So I thank you. Ah, that's so cool. (laughs) It seems like I was supposed to be where I was supposed to be and and stick around. And there you were. And this is a fascinating subject to me. And... You know, it took a lot for me to read the book because you don't get bogged down with the details of things. And I asked you about that. I said, you know, it's interesting because all these kind of not great things happen to you, but you don't you don't go into the details. We we as the reader need to understand that these bad things happened. It doesn't really matter the details about the bad things. It's how you and Richard how you were guided through Richard's words, through God, to move past and forward and live your life the way it's supposed to be lived. And most people want to get stuck on the sensationalism of it. Right. You know, we're so into the, oh my God, and you were bleeding, and then what happened? Or, (laughs) oh my God, what to you? And then what happened? Right? We all want the sensationalism. And you know, for a little bit, I was like, why isn't she telling us what happened? Why is she not sharing what her husband did that was so bad? Why? Why? And then I realized, oh, that's not important. It doesn't matter. I'm missing the point of the book and the lessons. <laughs> right? That's good. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> oh, thank you. I've come so far because I did. I asked you, I'm like, well, why aren't you talking about that stuff? And you basically made me answer the question. Um I think I don't name specifically stuff because then people would label me and Mm. label, put labels. And that's not what the book is about. I had one of the highest compliments from my daughter when the book was written. Of course, I gave my family the manuscript to look over it and my brother's family before the book was published. But my daughter said to me, and I'll never forget it, she said, Mother, all I can say is this is book is so selfless, 
selfless. selfless. Well, you have been selfless with your time. And every time I reached out to you, you've just been so kind, like just beautiful words coming back at me. And you are really living in your purpose for sure. And anyone who crosses your path, I'm sure feels that from you. It just comes out of you. It just pours out into everyone and everything you come in contact with. And we're so lucky that you had those conversations with Richard. It's amazing. It is. I can't believe it happened to me. It happened to me because I needed it. But I had someone else say, well, you know, Patty, you got to give yourself a little credit because you did write down verbatim everything your brother said. And then you were obedient when you knew God was telling you to write a book, even though you didn't know how. So, you know, we just have to step out, even if we don't feel qualified, and do the right thing. So many people's lives have been changed because of it. <laughs> oh, they absolutely have. Absolutely. I mean, mine has. Everyone I come in contact with has has an effect on me in some <laughs> way. And and you are no no different in that respect and regard. So, Patty, we're going to put in the show notes how to get in touch with you and the books and all that good stuff. And is there anything you'd like to leave our audience with today? I think I would just like to tell people that I think what we're all looking for is love and God is love. Mm. And we're all looking for acceptance and God accepts us right where we are. He's not a condemning, mean God. And he tells us that we have worth and value and that we do belong here on this earth because he has a plan for us. So I think that's what, how I would like to leave everybody, letting them know how special they are. Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. Thank you so much, Patty. And until next time, breathe in your second wind. Thank you for listening today. I hope that something you heard made you smile, made you think, and made you feel. If these incredible stories empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, make sure to share with a friend and write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook group, My Second Wind, or hit the link in the show notes to join the conversation. Until next time, go ahead and breathe in your second wind.